Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not much. Questions day. We uh, we get to answer some of y'all's questions, and, and hopefully uh, it's just about cowboy stuff because I really don't have any answers for anything else. <laughs> yeah, but apparently people on Twitter do. I don't know if you've noticed this. There, well, we've got a lot yeah, of people, people that on Twitter expert- got answers for everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, expertise abounds on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get into some of your questions. And we had a, a bunch of really good ones. Um, this one comes from Mark. Which second-year player do you think has a chance to make a large mark on the team this year? Um, let's let me change the question a little bit. Which which player is able to have a big leap from their rookie season? So, like we saw Tony Pollard perform well last year. Do you think he is going to be the same type of player used about the same? Do you think it's going to be McGovern? Uh, what do you think, here, Landon? Well, I guess I guess the good news here is that several second-year players have set themselves up for uh, a uh, what could be a, a monumental leap yeah. by not doing much sure. uh, their, their first year. So you know, guys like Tristan Hill and Connor McGovern, who you know are highly thought of picks. I mean, guys that got drafted decently high that basically had a redshirt season last. Well, I mean, Hill was on the field, but not much. I mean, basically a redshirt season. Uh, yeah, basically a redshirt season. So I would say those are the guys that I would look to first, just because I think, you know, they have uh, you know, a lot of untapped potential. I think also it's just, you know, both of those positions are spots where it's difficult to, at times to come in and play immediately. So, and they have high pedigree. So you, you hope that at least one of those two, if not both of those guys uh, gives you a, a lot better showing than what you had at this time last year. I mean, I think that there's some, you know, there's some down roster guys mm-hmm. that we can discuss for sure. Um, I mean, I'll give you a couple. Let, let's let's start with some draft picks first, right? Um, okay. I like Joe Jackson quite a bit. Now, I know he's yeah. not the most athletic defensive lineman, um, but it seems like he's kind of the perfect fit in a Mike Nolan defense because he can do a lot of different things. You yeah. can use him as a five technique if you need to. He can be a base defense vet. Maybe he even kicks inside in certain you know four three packages. I, I just think with you know, kind of the opening at defensive end right now, it just feels like he has a, a real chance to make an impact on this team. I also think that Jalen Jelks is a guy who Certainly, potentially yeah. has, has stumbled his way into a, a better situation than what he was in last year. You know, I, I think that his body type and, and, and his skill set, uh, it, it kind of made for an odd match at times, I feel like, last year when they were looking at him. But I wonder now if he isn't a guy that could be extremely useful as a sure. you know an outside linebacker, you know, sort of what you were talking about, maybe a kind of a hybrid edge linebacker type player, uh, uh, you know, just because of his body type. Yeah. I think that this is a guy who, you, if he gotten into the training into the training room at all this this offseason, gotten a little bit bigger. Uh, I, I just think his body type alone, you know, kind of opens things up for opportunity 
to get you know snaps at, at a variety of different spots in the front seven in this defense. That's uh, yeah. Go ahead. I got one more. I, I, I mean, just because we haven't you know talked about this guy in a little bit, uh, <clears throat> but you know he was the talk of the town at certain points. Uh, Luke Gifford. Yeah, I thought about um, him too. Yeah. yeah. I think you know, I think what you look at is uh, you got a a linebacker core that you're feeling pretty good about. You're waiting to see exactly what you get from Leighton Vander Esch. You're hoping that the the changes up front with Don Terry Poe and, and Gerald McCoy they give guys like Jalen Smith a little bit more coverage to kind of run and hit and, and be uh, athletic. Uh, but beyond that, too, I mean, we talked about all the depth of the position with Joe Thomas and, and, and some of these other guys that they like. Maybe Francis Bernard is a guy that they got in the undrafted free agency they mm. like a lot. Uh, but but Luke Gifford was a guy who really shined at different points last year. And the, and the previous coaching staff really, really liked him. And I don't know if that's going to mean anything for this this coaching staff coming in. But I, I have a feeling that you know he was really liked by the front office in general, got an injury. They really went out of their way to try to hold on to him. Um, so I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him putting himself in the mix of you know with that third to fourth to fifth linebacker spot. Um, and, and, and kind of coming in here and really opening up the competition there. Absolutely. Um, I think it's worth mentioning Gifford for a couple of reasons, as you said. But uh, again, Joe Thomas and Sean Lee are both on one-year deals. So yep. I think it's very realistic that he could be your third linebacker by 2021. Um, and if he is, the Cowboys are going to want to see uh, him on the field at least a little bit this year. Um, so, yeah, good name. I'll, I'll give you one more. And this is a guy that I hope never has to play this year. Uh, but Brandon Knight, he is now the Cowboys' swing tackle uh, now that they let go of Cam Fleming. Uh, we kind of liked him a little bit when he came in in the Jets game and played some other uh, snaps throughout the season. Um, but we kind of know with the way that you know offensive tackles work and with the way Tyron has been over the last three or four years, probably Brandon Knight's going to start a few games for the Cowboys. And if he can hold mm. up well... Uh, I, I think that would be a huge, huge addition to this roster. Brandon Knight d- develops into a, a, a good swing tackle. Um, any th- thoughts on Knight before we uh, take up a quick break? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, uh, embarrassed. I didn't bring up Knight, but yeah, I mean, I really like Brandon Knight, and I think that he's a guy that you know uh, has quite a, a variety of outcomes. I think that could be coming for him this year, depending on how his offseason was. But I, I, I would not at all be surprised to find out that he had a really good offseason and then managed to uh, steal away that swing tackle spot. Yeah, he is somebody that really could have used four or five preseason games, right, just to get the snaps down. And again, he's going to have to learn how to play both left and right tackle being the team's primary swing tackle. So um, it's unfortunate that we won't get to see him in preseason games, uh, but I'm excited to see him if and when he does come on the field. Um, Wanted to take a quick break to tell you guys about Rock Auto, RockAuto.com is a family business that has been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Okay, Lana, let's get to some more questions. This one from at arguing underscore cowboys. Do you think the front office is allowing Mike McCarthy to cut whomever who whomever he wants, even though they pick those players? So um, how much pull do you think McCarthy is going to have when it comes to making the 53-man roster this year? Uh, I think one of the more interesting questions actually is is how much does he want to have control of it? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that there is, you know, there's, I, I, he comes from a situation where uh, in Green Bay, he wasn't necessarily, you know, in player control mode as much as Ted Thompson was. But he was the guy that had to go out in front of the media and talk about it all the time. Yeah. Ted Thompson yeah. never wanted to discuss anything. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that you know they're gonna they're gonna listen to what he has to say. He's the head coach of the team. They're gonna work with what uh, he wants to get him what he wants. Um, you know, I, I think they do make decisions as a as a unit. You know, on on player personnel, and I I don't necessarily expect that to change. I think that some people view that and hear that and think that it's, uh, you know, it's 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 coach speak or mm-hmm. it's uh, it's glad handing, but I, I honestly don't think it is. I mean, I think that they they approach the situation, uh, you know, collectively, and uh, the head coach has a big stick in this conversation. Yeah, uh, but I I don't think that it necessarily means that he is, you know the coach slash GM or the, uh, the, the final say, I, I think that, you know, obviously Jerry and Steven and Will McClay are all going to have, uh, uh, their, their, their take on it. And I think that they come together with, uh, on a consensus and make decisions that way. Uh, you know, the, the answer, I think with, the, with the fundamental question is, uh, if Mike McCarthy doesn't like a guy, can he get him cut? Yeah, sure. I think absolutely. That's the case. Here's the, the dirty little secret of the NFL. I think, 48 of the 53 you know spots are already decided i mean it might even be more than that so you're talking about five players on the bubble uh that this team is going to be basically trying to find out over training camp if there's one guy that mccarthy really likes i'm sure you know he could stand on the table for him and you know he could keep him if there's one guy that he thinks doesn't have a chance to contribute i'm sure will mcclay and those guys would listen to as well so I'm sure there's several of those guys. Yeah, you know, like I'm sure each each you know I'm sure that there's a couple two or three guys that are Will McClay guys that are on the team. There are sure. two, like, two or three guys that are Mike McCarthy guys on the team. I, I just think that you know that's part of of of, of negotiation and, and 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 you know building a team is coming to a consensus. Sure. Okay, well if you need this guy, then you know hey I really want this guy work with me on this guy. You know be my teammate on this guy. Getting this guy on the team. You know that's part of negotiation and, and getting building the roster. Now the key is to have, you know, some good faith here from both sides. So let me give you an example. Um, when when the Cowboys drafted Rico Gathers, I don't think it was a secret that that was a Will McClay pick, right? That was somebody who yeah. Will McClay really liked the upside, and he wanted him on the roster. Coaching staff did not feel that way at all, and there was really no sense of urgency to ever get him on the field and try to u- utilize him. They were very hesitant to uh, 
target Rico, even keep him active. So eventually, I think the Cowboys front office is just like, you know what, you're not going to play this player. Let's just release him and we'll move on. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen as much with this coaching staff and this front office. I'm hoping they're a little bit more in sync. Uh, but I'm sure there will be a couple guys that the front office pushes to keep. Maybe they like the upside and maybe they are thinking long term about, OK, this player's contract is up next year. Let's try to get this guy out of the team to potentially um, you know, replace him a year or two years from now. That certainly happens. But uh, the best teams in the NFL are when the coaching staff and the front office are. They do work together. They have a good plan of how to develop these guys. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think it's certainly possible that um, you know the front office will have a couple guys on the team that maybe McCarthy didn't want. But that's just it's, that's just the NFL. It's key to like you know for these guys to all kind of see the players with similar eyes. Yes, right. And yep. I think that's really the problem. And and I think when you talk about you know. Think about McClay and Garrett. You know, at the end, they were. You can say what you want about Garrett's coaching and that sort of thing, but I think that you know, there's pretty clear that the coaching staff and, and the front office were seeing things very similarly. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, they were very aligned. I think. I think that's one thing that we can agree on. I think that you know, the situations that are the exceptions to those rules, you know, they tend to be. <laughs> A former basketball player mm-hmm. who hasn't played football since seventh grade that we're going to try to draft it to, to, into being a tight end. You know, like it's. I, I think that that's the kind of things that you you that's where you would see those kind of divisions in the kind of atypical, unusual, uh, upside plays. Like, is this guy worth the time? That's really where you see. I think you're going to see. You know, no matter who the, the coaching staff is or whatever, I think those are the kind of situations where you you'll see some divide on whether or not this player is is uh you know fixable or or or, or upgradable that sort of thing i think you know normally with these coaching staffs and, and these front offices they try to get pretty close to mm-hmm. seeing the kind of players that fit in their schemes in, in a very similar manner yeah i mean like another guy that we can talk about is like david irving right that's somebody who yeah. the front office loved and that's actually somebody who rod marinelli loved I'm not so sure that Jason Garrett was always, you know, ever a huge fan of David Irving, but I think the front office and Marinelli recognized his potential and the ceiling that he had, and that's why they were probably a little bit more welcoming to take him back even after suspensions and some off the field stuff. I think, I, I mean, this happens for every team. You know, they're they're always trying to weigh upside and reliability against one another. Um, the Cowboys will have a lot of those same questions this year with some, you know, some guys on the roster. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to a different question. This one is from at LJ254. Uh, In a fair, open, clean slate competition, who starts at corner? And don't follow the money either. Uh, so let's do it like this, Lane. And who are the top three corners if it's a completely open competition? Man, I don't, you know, I don't know that money is... No, in this case, there's nobody that is being paid outside I, of Anthony Brown, right? I, I understand the I understand the question. Yeah. I understand what the what the, the person is asking for sure. Like, that's legitimate. But I, I don't think it's a money issue Not at this, in this point. Not in no. no one's money is so outrageous that they're being forced into the starting lineup. Well, I think about uh, it. I think Anthony Brown is the only one on a second contract that is more than the minimum, right? Yeah. And, and I think... I mean, really, probably what they're talking about is the fact that that uh, Diggs is a first round pick. So that's so that's pretty decent money. But sure. uh, yeah, even relative to the, the rest of the cornerback market, it's not that much. So, uh, I mean, 
I I think it has to be Diggs, Cheeto, and then some combination of Jordan Lewis or Anthony Brown. Yeah, that's my opinion. Uh, yeah, and I again I've been I've been telling people this on the podcast for the last couple months. There's a lot of people in that building that believe right now Trevon Diggs is their best cornerback. So I absolutely yeah. think he's one. I think Awuzie has to be the other one because he's really the only one that has uh, any experience playing on the outside. And he's actually been a pretty good corner despite he some hasn't up been and down. terrible. Yeah. I think there's, so, there's a common, there's so much misconception about his ability yeah. just based because, you know, on. on he he has struggled specifically with you know attacking the ball as it arrives, but his coverage is very sticky. So, I, yeah, I, I I still have a lot of faith in 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 Cheeto to the point where you know the talk about moving him to safety is like, you know, I get it, but I also kind of would like, I mean, especially with the cornerback situation mm-hmm. being the way it is, I kind of still would like to see him play corner. You know, I still have faith in his ability to take another step and be a very good number two corner in this defense. And I and I also think the other thing to keep in mind too is that, you know, despite what you're saying despite what that questioner was saying about the money and that sort of thing, I, I think that the, the variable here that could shift the the status of this is the the, the change in coverages. Yeah. You know, the, the, yep. the, a move to more split coverages and, and what that could mean for more press two, more uh, uh, you know, less cover one, cover three stuff, which I think changes the angles on a lot of the stuff, and it may uh, pre- present uh, more of an opportunity for playmakers like Jordan Lewis. Sure, you know, I, I think that's really where we should be watching our eyes. I think there isn't there isn't much, uh, you know, t- to to talk write home about when it comes to. Uh, Diggs and and, and 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 Cheeto, I think that those guys are probably you know at, the, at least to start out going to be your outside guys. I think the guy to watch to see how how the defense affects his play or his you know the amount of his play or the 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 the, the volume of his playmaking is Jordan Lewis because I think it, it's just a better fit for him. He's going to get more opportunities and he's in a spot where he knows that he needs to take advantage of those opportunities to get that second contract. I, I keep want to bringing up uh, Daryl Worley. I think that's somebody who you know, yeah, ton of absolutely. ton of experience can play on the outside if you need him to. Much better in a you know a, a scheme that doesn't ask him to cover guys one on one down the field. Uh, if you need a press man corner, I think he's really good. It, it would not surprise me at all if the Cowboys opened up the season with Worley and Awuzie as your outside cornerbacks, just given. You know their length and experience, and then they try to ease Trevon Diggs in. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, let's take one more break, and we'll be back with some more questions. All right, Landon. This next one comes from at Monday Madness. Um, he's wanting to know: Can Ceedee Lamb become an elite route runner like uh, Devonte Adams? Um, if you remember early on in Devonte Adams' career, just a really athletic guy coming out of Fresno State. Uh, pretty explosive, but really, really struggled with route running. I remember after, I think it was after the 2015 season, uh, he was considered like one of the worst receivers in the league, one of the most inefficient receivers in the league. Um, but in year three and year four, really, really developed as a route runner uh, and now has become one of the league's best receiver. Is, is that a, a realistic path for CeeDee Lamb to become somebody like Devontae Adams? It's an interesting uh, comp 
right? I mean, I yeah. think that they're very, they're kind of similar players in, in some ways. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, look, I think Devontae Adams is already a pretty decent, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, I do think Devontae <laughs> Adams is a pretty decent route runner. Yeah. Uh, but beyond, beyond that, uh, I, I think CeeDee Lamb is, is already a pretty decent route runner for, for a rookie coming in. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just seeing the kind of complexity of some of the routes that he ran in college. And again, I, I think one thing that, that really helps and or can hurt these college wide receivers uh, is that they get a lot of attention. And when you're good, you get a lot of attention early and you end up coming out quickly. So a lot of times what happens is some of these really super athletic, you know, top you know, five-star high school athlete, uh, you know, wide receivers that come into college football, they light the, the, the you know, the world on fire or they go to, um, you know, LSU or Ohio state, right. Sure, Where yeah. there's just, there's packed in like sardines. Right. And you're a five-star, you know, top of the line wide receiver and you're behind three other guys like that. And then suddenly you get to your junior and sometimes your senior year. And now is just now finally your time to shine your opportunity to get on the field and you get out there and you're great. And then you get drafted and you don't have the experience or the uh, on-field, uh, 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 you know, hours logged or the or the the route nuance to dominate in in the NFL because you don't you just don't have the the classroom time that you, that is needed to, to beat these you know savvy uh, you know professor level cornerbacks right so I, I think what ends up happening is. You know, it takes wide receivers, and, and and it's been better. If you've noticed this last few years, it's gotten a lot better because oh, yeah. of these. You know, this these are the generation of of wide receivers that are coming out that have been running you know seven on seven routes in in in, in off season since they were in seventh grade, right? Which is so different. They've gotten four to five times as many reps as you know my generation of of uh, kids coming out of high school and college playing wide receiver right, right. because just because of all the other different uh ways that they can get together with their teams and run routes and that sort of thing and then on top of that you add that cd lamb has been basically a three-year starter four years a three-year starter at, at ou uh so he's gotten a ton of experience He's done all the camps because he was a five-star athlete coming out of high school. He's done. All, he's got all all the experience. Uh, three years worth of running routes in, in uh, uh, Lincoln Riley's offense has given him. So I, I think he comes in as far as you know in the pantheon of, of college wide receivers. He comes in near the top as far as uh, savvy and route running. I, I, I think the question becomes you know how much. How much better does he get from here, right? How much how much cleaner can he tighten things up from here? Because I think he has short area explosiveness, which uh, is going to be deadly as a route runner, and, and I think he understands that. I, I think f- from here it's just kind of further uh, 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 refining everything mm-hmm. and, and, and understanding the nuance and understanding how to set up cornerbacks and, and play a, a complete game against a, uh, an NFL cornerback. Yeah, so one of the things that rookie receivers often struggle with is press coverage, right? And I actually yeah. think regardless who, of who you are coming out of college, you're going to struggle with it because we just don't see a lot of press coverage in college, right? Um, however, with the Cowboys playing Amari Cooper, or excuse me, not Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb in the slot, 
I think you're yeah. going to avoid a lot of press coverage. So I think that's going to help him as well. Um, I also think that a lot of these rookie receivers struggle in man coverage for the same exact reason. And again, you're going to have CeeDee Lamb in a slot where he's going against a lot of bracket coverage or zone coverage where he doesn't necessarily have one guy that he has to beat. There certainly will be snaps like that, but I think for the most part, he's going to be facing zone coverage. So I think he's maybe one of the best receivers at settling in zones that I've seen come out of college in a long time. Uh, he just he has a great feel for it. Uh, but yeah. what makes him even better is he's so good after the catch. Uh, once yeah. you once you get him the ball into a zone, uh, he can you know we saw in that Texas game there was like what five defenders around him in one little zone took it for a touchdown. So I think the Cowboys are going to do a lot of things to help him uh, kind of overcome some of that rookie struggles that we see from uh, some of these receivers. So I think Lamb is going to be really good, and I I kind of like that. Devonte Adams uh, comp a lot because I could certainly see him developing into one of the best receivers in the league, one of the best route runners in the league over the next two or three years because he certainly has the quickness and the athleticism to do it. Uh, that's a that's a really really interesting comp. Uh, can you imagine if this team had a Devonte Adams caliber of player uh, with um, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup? Whew, it's gonna be it's yeah, gonna be a lot of be, fun. It'll be a lot of fun. And again, this last thing, the other thing to consider is that uh, rookie co- running backs, uh, rookie, sorry, rookie wide receivers coming out running routes. You know, usually when you get drafted in the first round, it's because you're going to a team that is terrible at wide receiver. So every every cornerback yeah, yeah. you're facing week in week out is at the very least CB two, if not CB one, with a safety over the top. C.D. Lamb is not going to have as much of, a, of that problem, I don't think. Well, yeah, I mean, let's I, just I, compare it to like what's going to happen with the Raiders with Henry Ruggs, right? Ruggs was the first receiver drafted at pick number 12. He's already, you know, the Raiders have already said he's going to be the X receiver for them. That means he's getting every team's top cornerback, where C.D. Yeah. Lamb is going to get every team's third best cornerback. Maybe the second, yep. depending on the matchup, but... It's fascinating the different situations that some of these rookie receivers are going to be in. Yep. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.